You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. There was two high school boys, I think they were juniors at a local high school, and they decided to go cave exploring off the newly created 1604. It it was a Saturday, and and so they got up, and, and they tracked out there, and man, they had a ball. They had their flashlights, and man, the whole day, it was just an adventure. The next day, one of the boys was at church, he was at Sunday school, and his skin began to itch. He began to get red whelps on his arms and on his hands and on his neck. His parents took him home. Later that day, he began to vomit like a green liquid that looked like fungus. His parents took him to Methodist Hospital the next morning. The the doctors began to run tests, and and the other boy, by the way, also had some different symptoms, and they took him to the hospital, and and none of the doctors could figure out what was wrong. They ran test after test after test. This boy started off at 150 pounds and quickly went down to 115 pounds. The doctors began to realize this boy was dying. And they could not figure out what was wrong. So the boy's parents, his family, his church began praying. Praying that God would help them find out what was wrong with these two boys. One day this Sunday school teacher, the boy's Sunday school teacher, was working over at Brooks uh, Medical Center, the, the Army base. And she mentioned to a doctor, said, hey, we've been praying for this boy that went cave exploring off of 1604. And she described the symptoms. He said, you know what? I know exactly what that is. He had just come back from Vietnam. And he said, yeah, there's lots of people that have that over there that were living in caves. And he said, said, not only do I know what it is, but I know how to treat it. And it was pretty rare for it to ever happen in Texas, and so many of the doctors weren't aware of it. But it was dec- decimated his- histoplasmosis. I knew I was going to butcher that. I, even though I practiced it several times, I knew I was going to butcher, butcher that. But basically, it's inhaling rat and mat and uh, the spores of rat and bat manure. Uh, so when they went through the caves, they, they breathed that, and-, and-, and that's what was causing their bodies to break down. So these boys, they end up getting the help. And 10 days later, they were able to get released from the hospital. Now, they got to miss the last six weeks of their junior year. And they said that was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't good being in the hospital, but it was nice missing the end uh, of their junior year. But my brother-in-law, James Strahan, he tells me, he said, Some people would see that this was just a chance encounter between a woman and a doctor at a hospital. 
But I believe that God answered my parents' prayers and saved me and my friend's life. We believe that God answers prayers here. That we're not just saying words. That God sees the needs of his people and he answers. We are starting a series called All In On My Story. And every one of us, we have a story. God's worked in our life in some capacity. And some of your stories are exciting. And some of your stories are inspiring. And some of our stories has a lot of ups and has some downs. Some of our stories are painful. Some of our, our story is filled with bad choices. Some of us, we have some regret. We might even have some shame. We might have some anger. We might have some bitterness. But we all have a story. We all have a story. Some of your stories have illness. And we're going to talk in just a few moments about a woman who had an illness in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Let me kind of give you the context of what's going on. And Jesus had preached, gave a bunch of lessons on parables, stories. And then he basically got on a boat and calmed a storm. He got to the other side and there was this demon-possessed man. Actually, he was, had lots of demons in him. He was cutting himself. He was howling and he was living in these burial grounds. They, they couldn't control the man. They, they would put chains on him and he would rip them apart. And, and Jesus comes upon this man, and he realizes what's wrong, that this man has demons. And he said, hey, demons, get out of there. And the demon said, well, hey, uh, can you put us in these pigs? I don't know what God has, Jesus has against pigs, but, I mean, I, but he says, hey, go into these pigs, about 2,000 pigs. And they said, pig suey, and they ran over this cliff, and, and they drowned. And these pig herdsmen were like, man, what just happened here? I mean, all my pigs just... People start coming around Jesus, and they're like, that's the same guy that was cutting himself and howling and doing all of these things, and now he's got clothes on, and he's calm, and he's civilized. And the people were trying to process this, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And because of their fear, I think, they said, Jesus... Get out of here. We don't want to have anything to do with you. That's probably a sermon in itself that we need to go back and revisit of how people process Jesus and his power. And so Jesus said, okay, if you don't want me, that's fine. So he gets on a boat and he goes back. There's a big crowd waiting on him. I mean, Jesus is a rock star. I mean, he's healing. He's doing amazing things. And he gets there. And there's this synagogue ruler named Jairus. And Jairus comes to him and says, I've got a daughter that's sick. She's dying. Would you come and heal my daughter? And that's where we're going to start up into our text, Mark chapter 5. Jesus went with him, this synagogue ruler, and all the people followed, crowding around him. I Just keep this in your mind. He's crowded around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for how many years? Twelve years with constant bleeding. This is, scholars say most likely this is uterine, uterine, uterine bleeding. 
and it's beyond her normal menstrual cycle. And she had suffered a great deal for, from many doctors. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten what? Worse. So you have this woman, and she's been bleeding and bleeding and bleeding, and they didn't have the modern conveniences that we have now. And she goes to doctor after doctor trying to get well. Some of you can relate to that. You, you go to one doctor, and they send you to another doctor and another doctor, and you're just trying to get a solution to your problem. Well, this was this lady. She kept on going to the, all the doctors. She spent all her money trying to get better, and... And here she is. She actually had gotten worse. And so I want you to realize she not only has a physical problem with bleeding, but she also has a social problem. She's a social outcast. She would have been declared unclean. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 to 27 says this. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, where if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is what? Ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues, which hers had continued for 12 years. Any bed that she lies on, any object that she sits on during that time will be what? Unclean. Just as during her normal menstrual period, if any of the... any. If any of you touch these things, you will be ceremonially, what? Unclean. You must wash your clothes, bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. And then Numbers tells us this. Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. This woman was a living contaminant. No one wanted to be close to her because they would become unclean. You remember when you were a kid, and maybe some of you played this, you said someone had the cooties. They had the cooties, and you didn't want to be close to that person who had the cooties. If someone touched you that had the cooties, oh, man, you got the cooties. You're going to get it. And everyone just kind of stayed away with whoever had the cooties. A lot of times it happened between boys and girls in, in grade school. And so, man, oh, man, she's got the cooties. you got to stay away. You don't want to sit next to her. You don't want to touch her pencil or anything, or you will get the cooties. Well, this woman right here, no one wanted to be close to her. She not only had a physical problem, a medical issue, but she was also had a social problem. And not only that, she couldn't go to the temple to worship because she was unclean, constantly unclean. And so she was isolated. My guess is that she was lonely. As we continue in the story, it says she had heard about Jesus. I think she heard about his miracles, how he was healing people. And she came up from where? Yeah, she came up from behind. She didn't address Jesus head on. She came up from behind him through the crowd, and touched his robe. I believe it's Matthew chapter 9 that says that she touched the edge of his robe. Uh, Most scholars think that that was one of the tassels on his prayer shawl. 
And she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Uh, there was a Hellenistic superstition that believed that a healer's power was transferred through their clothes. And so I think that she thought in her mind, hey, if I can just touch him just a little bit, maybe I will be healed. And catch this. When she did touch him, touch the edge of his robe, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Can you imagine 12 years, 12 years of going to the doctors, 12 years of putting out more money, 12 years of isolation, 12 years of frustration, of being in pain, of going all of those emotions, and she touches Jesus, and she's healed. I mean, could she have not been more excited? But that's not the end of the story. I think she thought, hey, I'll touch Jesus, then I'll go off, and I'll, I'll be good. But Jesus notices, he notices someone touched him. He realized at once that the, his healing power had gone from him, and so he turned around in the crowd, and he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. I mean, how can you ask, who touched me? Come on, Jesus. I believe it's Luke that says it was Peter who chimed in and said, Jesus, are you crazy? I mean, there's all kinds of people around you. Have you ever went to Fiesta and saw, been a part of that crowd? You are going to get touched whether you want to or not. And most of the time it's unintentional, but you are people who are just going to, to touch you. I, I have a friend named Nick uh, who sometimes travels with me to Japan to, to see uh, Andy Rodriguez, our missionary there. And and he was telling a story one time uh, that he uh, was getting onto uh, the subway there. And, and you you got to kind of picture Nick. Nick is about 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", I don't know, somewhere in there. He's a big dude. Uh, he makes me look small. And, and he, he is huge. And, and there was another guy that he was with. And he's, again, 6'4", 6'5", really big. And I think it was probably in that evening time, that five to seven time period. And, and man, things, uh, the subways over there, I mean, they get packed. I mean, they really know how to pack people in. And so they get in. And he said, next thing you know, I'm face to face with my friend, like uncomfortable. I mean, we're friends, but that's a little uncomfortable. And he said, I got people touching me from the back, on the side. There's just people, we're just crammed in. And he said, but then that wasn't the worst part. He said, I looked down, and there's this little Japanese woman looking up. <laughs> and he said, I didn't know who was more scared, her or me, because, like, that's how I picture Jesus. He, he's crammed around. A, a bunch of people have, are just touching him. And, and here's the question. Did Jesus really not know who touched him? I mean, he is Jesus. I mean, he could know that, right? But, but he asked that question, who touched me? And I thought, well, why does this really matter? I think we're going to find out why it matters. He kept on looking around to see who had done it. Uh, Luke tells us that everyone kind of backed away and said, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. But I think this woman realized she was busted. Says she was, uh, didn't a frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him. 
and told him what she had done. This unknown woman, the woman this woman that wanted, didn't want anyone else to know, becomes known. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Daughter. It's the only place that I could find in Scripture that Jesus ever called someone daughter. Your faith has made you well. And then he says, peace. She's going to have peace. She hasn't had peace for 12 years. Her suffering is going to finally, finally be over. And, and I thought, why did Jesus stop? Why did Jesus stop to point her out? I mean, why couldn't she have just blended into the crowd and, and just, he could have healed her and she could have been one off and did her own thing. I think it's because he wanted everyone to know that this woman was no longer unclean. She was no longer unclean. That she was part of the family. That she was a daughter. She was a son of the king. She was accepted. She could now go and worship in the temple. She was one of us. That, that she didn't have the cooties anymore. All right. I want to get devotional with you for a few minutes. Some of you, maybe you feel like that woman at the well. Maybe you kind of feel like the person up on screen. You feel lonely. You feel isolated. You feel angry at times because you're suffering. You're hurting. You're frustrated. You're tired of going to the doctor. You're tired of putting out more money for the co-pays. You're tired of buying the medicine and the medicine not working. And some of you, you're just, you're like to your wit's end. Can I just remind you that Satan whispers into our ear that we are by ourselves. That no one cares. And, and Satan sometimes will even say, hey, you know what? You're just this person that's suffering with cancer or lupus. Or you're just this depressed person. And, and sometimes we can kind of fall into that trap to think that our identity is in our illness. But your identity is not in your illness. Your identity is that you are a son or daughter of the king. And so you don't listen to Satan when he says, oh, and you, you're just, you're defined by your illness. No, you're not defined by your illness. Your illness is part of your story. But ultimately, ultimately, you're a daughter or son of the king of kings. That's where I find my identity. And, and on those days that it's hard, as Amanda talked about, sometimes it's hard. We sometimes can see all of the negative things and we can see our hurt and our pain. But we can choose to have joy. We can choose to have happiness because we know that eventually we're going to be in the presence of Christ. And there won't be any suffering any longer. You know, for some of you, God's going to heal you. And some of you, God's not. And I know that's frustrating to hear. It's frustrating to hear because everyone wants to be like this woman and to be healed. And, and, and you're like, hey, this woman had faith and, 
and I have faith, why am I not being healed? And, and I wish I could just give you a, like a, little, a real clear answer on that. But here's my answer is, I don't know. I, I had a friend call me this week. He was in tears. He's about my age. He said, man, Ronnie, my body's breaking down. And I am so tired of hurting every day. It's all I can do to barely roll out of bed. And I didn't have a cookie-cutter cliche. I prayed with him, and I encouraged him. And I just tried to love on him. And I know some of you are struggling right now. You're like, man, I want to be like that woman. Why does God not like me? This is what I do know in Scripture. It says that God sees you, and God walks with you in the midst of your illness. God walks with you in the midst of your cancer. God walks with you in the midst of your pain and your hurt. And I also do know this, that as a church, we want to walk with you if you'll let us. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to love on you. And, and, and so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you not to hide your story. And don't, don't hide the illness that you have. I, I, I want to encourage you, if God's working in your life, share it. And, and, and maybe God hasn't healed you yet. Maybe you're in the waiting zone. And, and God may heal you or he may not. But, but talk about what God is teaching you. Talk about how, hey, guess what? I can have joy even in the midst of, of pain and suffering. I'm choosing to be happy. I, I know one of my friends that were in the waiting zone. They quit asking the question, why? God began to, ask, to teach them, why not me? There's all these other people who suffered in the Bible. Why wouldn't I suffer? God, just show me what I can learn from the midst of this suffering and pain that I'm going through. Maybe God's teaching you, hey, instead of being angry and bitter, which, by the way, you can, you can be angry and be bitter at God. You can release those up to him. God's a big God. He can handle your frustrations. But eventually God may say, hey, you know what? You're going to release those over to me, and I'm going to help you have joy in the midst of your trials and your tribulations. And so for some of you, I want to encourage you. Don't hide your story. Take time to, to share it with someone. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and say, hey, is this an opportunity that I could share how God's working uh, in my life? I, I know several of you have stories like that. And it might be with the nurse that you're seeing, or it might be with the doctor, or it might be with a neighbor, or it might be with a family member. But I want to encourage you, share your story. And then secondly, I want to encourage you to stop to listen and to minister to someone who's hurting. To stop to listen and to minister to someone who's hurting. You know, we're, we all get so busy that sometimes we can forget the people who are around us. I mean, Jesus was on his way to, to basically bring a girl back to life. But he stopped and he noticed this woman. He said, I see you. I, I see you. I I know what you're going through. And now we, can't, we may not be able to heal someone like Jesus did, but we can stop and we can love them and we can encourage them. And sometimes that's all someone needs is just to know that someone cares. There, there were some businessmen that uh, were trying to catch a flight in Chicago. And if you've ever tried to fly out of Chicago, you know that the airports there are pretty packed, pretty crazy, and they were running late. Man, they were running through the airport. And one of them tripped over, of all things, there was an apple stand. And then the apples just went rolling everywhere. 
And this was the days before cell phones. And the rest of the guys, man, they just, they all kept on going except for one guy. And one guy just kind of felt this urge that he needed to go back and help the mess that was created by them as they were running through the airport. He said, hey, you guys, when you get, uh, get to the other side, uh, get home, let my wife know that I'm going to take a later flight. Take care of that for me. And so he goes back, and there's a 16-year-old girl, and she's trying to pick up apples that had spread all around the airport, and no one else is helping. I mean, people, they're busy with their own little thing. They're living in their own little world. This 16-year-old girl was blind. It was the way that she was making extra money. And he begins to pick up each one of the apples. And he begins to set up the stand. And, and does it just right. And then he noticed there was probably a dozen of them that were bruised, that had been kicked by people or whatever the case may be. And so he gets out his wallet and he gives $40 for this. And, and tries to encourage the 16-year-old girl that had been crying. And he said, hey, I'm sorry that we ruined your day. She looked at him and said, Mr., are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? As believers in Christ, we get an opportunity to be Jesus to other people.